0: Bugle,
1: audio newspaper for a visual world. Thank you. Hello, buglers. Uh,
0: uh, now, uh, welcome to uh, to the bugle. Um, we uh, can we just fade down the music a bit? Uh, there, there we go. This, oh you, you have to fade that, no, that technologically we are trying our most ambitious ever theatrical extravaganza here. This is going to be like John Michel Jar meets the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs. It's going to be absolutely <laughs> sensational. Uh, welcome uh, welcome to uh, the Bugle live. Um, It's also being recorded. We'll be going out as uh, this week's Bugle. For those listening at home uh, or anywhere else, uh, we are here in Melbourne, Australia. A city where, if current... One whoop from what a proud (laughs) civic place this is. Still regretting the missed opportunity to call yourselves Batmania. Maybe that's a... Uh, A city where if current trends continue, according to scientists, in 40 years' time, this place will just be a 50-metre deep reservoir of coffee with a single weeping avocado floating in the middle. I am Andy Zaltzman, uh, 400,000 miles from home as the crow flies, albeit a crow with absolutely no sense of direction and a tendency to be distracted by the prospect of shitting on every single major global cultural monument. As a protest against humanity's exploitation of the bird world. Um, We are recording here at the... (laughs) That'll do. Uh, um, It is the 15th of April, 2018, and on this day in uh, 1755, Samuel Johnson, the word-waggling pin-up boy of 18th-century lexicography, Dr. Dickey Dictionary himself published his influential Dictionary of the English Language, a book which established rules for this great language of ours. Do uh, you like uh, the English language? Yes. No, who said no? What, what's, what's your beef with it? it you have to teach it tomorrow. There we go. We to... That's a problem. You turn anything into a job, you take the love from it, don't you? So, um... And who are you teaching it to? Children, Children are the worst... The people in the world who have least desire to learn. <laughs> children, most children just spend most of their time wishing they were adults. Most adults wish they were still kids. We've just got the school age and the working age the wrong way round. <laughs> the Victorians had it right. Stick the little f***ers up a chimney. So, <laughs> <laughs> And given that my children are in the crowd today, I should say, excluding anyone whose name begins with Z, they can, uh, they can do the admin. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, But, uh, well it has been a very influential language, uh, English and Johnson's uh, uh, a hugely influential figure in it. Uh, His English has been spoken uh, and written by celebrities from both of our countries, uh, ranging from Winston Churchill to Madge Bishop and Jane Austen to Harold Bishop. Um, the original Sammy J's Dictionary remained the preeminent rulebook uh, for spelling, grammar and shit like that until pretty much the invention of social media, which is basically catapulting humanity backwards through linguistic history <laughs> via badly spelled scrawlings, hieroglyphics, or as they're known nowadays, emoticons, or lack of genuine emoticons, to give them their proper uh, name, towards the simple grunt, which is the logical endpoint of the internet. Um, <laughs> I've no beef with that. It's people saying shit to each other that have started 99.94% of all wars. Draw your own conclusions from that, and that figure could be set to rise as we speak. Um, uh, now, to mark this anniversary, uh, some obsolete words that Johnson included in his dictionary that are no longer used, including... Uh, sclapper trankle," which is a stick-influenced device for poking a frightened witch from behind a non-licensed cauldron. LAUGHTER um, a snutterwort is a rare herb thought by 18th century alchemists, doctroves and medicinicians to contain healing properties that could cure beheading if applied within four hours of a person's execution. Um, uh, the butt yard, which is an open space in a boys' school used for the administration of corporal punishment. And Compromise, the idea that there could be some acceptable middle ground between two dissenting views, concept long lost to the swamps of history... <laughs> Uh, so now, uh, as always, a section of The Bugle is going straight... In the
1: bin.
0: There we go. In the bin this week, a catalogue of uh, lots from the auction of Andy Zoltzman memorabilia. Um, inspired by the film star and famous cricketer cousin Russell Crowe. Who this week flogged off a load of his old junk from his career. I'm going to be doing the same. Russell Crowe flogged off uh, props from the film Gladiator. Including a pretend horsey. His co-star Whacking Phoenix who uh, went for $85,000 and the actual corpse of the philosopher Emperor Marcus Aurelius. Um, And uh, we have the lots from the Zoltz Auction for your delectation in the bin this week, lot 56. My set list from my first ever gig on the London open mic circuit in 1999. Here it is. The comedy cafe. January 1999, opening up with What's Up With Snakes? I mean, what are you? A worm or a, a sword? Um needed work. Uh, why Britain's future in the EU is far from assured. I mean, I was visionary, really. I mean, let's... I was so far ahead of my time. Eggs are weird. I stand by that. I mean, when you think about it, what the f*** is going on? Um... Uh, the next bit, when Donald Trump becomes president. I mean, it's quite extraordinary that I saw this coming as long ago as January 1999. Men and women colon, uh, differences. I mean, that was... that was a classic bit of observational. Um and how the internet is a passing fad like the plague. So, I mean, two out of three is not bad in terms of uh, global predictions. Lot 87, the uh, typewriter on which uh, one of my infinite joke-writing uh, joke monkeys wrote a very amusing routine about burning Catholics. Um, <laughs> lot 134, the javelin I used in my short-lived character act, Jan Zulezny, based on the Czech Olympic champion and world record-holding javelin thrower Jan Zulezny but imagining that he worked in a zoo <laughs> and practiced his javelin throwing whenever possible that's me really getting into character there um, it's lucky you don't see the elephant off stage um, estimate for that that's 12 quid uh, that javelin uh, now lot uh, 192 the real john oliver <laughs> <laughs> <Judas. I've>, uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Now, you know us? Tom, Tom, you might notice, uh, he's wearing a bugle, uh, old-school bugle T-shirt here. Uh, anyway, the real John Oliver, uh, I've kept him in my cellar in London since uh, June 2006 when he told me he wanted to do the Daily Show job instead of uh, coming with me to Edinburgh to talk to 25 people a day in a darkened room. <laughs> uh, so I've kept him locked in my cellar, and I sent uh, a fake John Oliver to the States to attempt to scupper his career. Turned out it was f***ing incredible. <laughs> it's done that... Uh, done very well and uh finally lot 278 here it is this is the aching silence from the manchester comedy store 22nd of december 2002 <laughs> when i did a gig that went so badly that most of my jokes are still receiving counseling for post-traumatic stress so just, uh, <laughs> for those of you uh wanting to preview that lot, uh, here is some of that silence So I mean that gives you an idea of uh, just uh, stretch that out for uh, about another 20 minutes. So um, right, it's time now to meet our co-hosts for today's Bugle. Are you ready to meet today's co-hosts? Yes! Right. We're going to do this by uh, means of uh, a guess the uh, guess the Bugle co-host game. Here it is. Based on the following lies. So see if you can guess who is about to come on stage based on these lies. This person owns the world's largest remote control penguin. Has already started building his or her own commemorative pyramid. It will be 754 meters high in 3D outside Luxor in Egypt and with a snooker table in the burial chamber, just, just in case. And lie three thinks the Battle of Austerlitz was a hoax. So, who could this possibly be? Of course, it is. Alice Fraser! There we go. Oh.
2: Hello, Andy. Hello. Hello, Bugles. Hello, Tom. Hello, let's Alice. Let's get this shit on the road. <laughs>
0: uh, well, welcome back, Alice. Um, oh,
2: thank you. Welcome to my country.
0: Right. Um, you seem to flee it quite often, to yes. be honest.
2: Uh, it's What's one of on those things it? where absence makes the heart grow fonder. <laughs> also, no one wants to watch me here. <laughs>
0: so. uh, let's move on to our second, uh, second co-host, Let's play it. Here it is. Guest, the co-host. Line number one. Prepares for shows by visualising he is a terrapin.
2: <laughs>
0: Line number two. Any guesses yet? Rejected the chance to co-pilot NASA's secret Apollo 18 mission to Mars today to appear at this show. Surely that is worth a round of applause. <laughs> what a sacrifice. And lie three. Uh, starred alongside former world heavyweight champion Evander Holyfield in the stage production of Shelves of the Merciful. Uh, Shelter of the Merciful if you've not seen it is um, of course uh, a musical based on the life of Melville Dewey the uh, founder of the Dewey Decimal System who <laughs> the pin-up boy of 19th century library classification uh, who could it be? it is David O'Doherty uh, the uh, master of the keyboard all the way
1: from uh, Hello. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there it is
1: <laughs> my my signature theme music <laughs> it's great, great it. to be back great to be back bugling yeah well, so it's lovely to have you back have. Uh, big news from Australia yep they don't say road cones I was trying to organise five a side game of football the other day right. they're like well we used for goals and I'm like oh, some road cones there and they're like what it's like traffic cones and they're like uh eh. They're witches' hats. That's what they <laughs> call them here. Can you believe... You know, no one says... Around the world, everyone listening to this is like, that is the most ridiculous bullshit. <laughs> Witch's hats. Oh, I didn't realise so much Halloween-themed stuff was here. <laughs> Let's bugle. <laughs> Top story this week.
0: Here comes a visual. There you go, look at that.
1: <laughs> i spent... This is a podcast. You can't say here comes a visual on a podcast. (laughs) Well, that's
0: what makes this live show so special.
2: (laughs) For for people listening, just imagine the best that clip art has to offer.
0: (laughs) It took me under two hours, that. (laughs) Uh, Right, uh, so it's time. Uh, Top story this week is the world on the brink of Armageddon. Um, So uh, who... Is it actually going to happen? There we go. <laughs> is Armageddon going to happen? Let's find out. <laughs> to the listeners, that was another one of his visual clip arts. <laughs> I mean, some of this is going to make no sense to people listening at home. That is a question mark coming onto a screen. And I feel a disproportionate sense of achievement <laughs> from having, having made that happen. You shouldn't. <laughs> I I know I shouldn't, Alice, but I do. Given the technical problems we experienced just before these people came in, you should feel proud. Thank you, Tom. Yes. Um, So, uh, who has been enjoying the Syrian crisis? Yeah, it's not really my thing either. Uh, David, what what would you prefer, the Syrian crisis or or sport?
1: Well, to use one of your awful cricket metaphors... (laughs) What? It's possible that the world has seen a good innings, but now it's time to blow up the stadium incinerating everyone because one of the cricketers is worried a P-tape featuring him might come out. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't get it out of your head that that could be what's going on here. Right. It's the waggiest wagging of a dog that there's ever been, and we will all pay. Right. So, Ireland uh, Ireland have stayed out of it, you'll notice right. <laughs> thus far, similar to the way we stayed neutral during the entire Second World War, even to the point where we sent the German ambassador condolences on the death of Mr. Hitler Let's, <laughs> let's not pick a side until we're absolutely sure who the bodies are <laughs>
2: The US and allies have launched attacks on what they believe to be chemical weapon sites in Syria, which means one of two things either they are chemical weapon sites or they're not chemical weapon sites, but they have definitely be bombed, and that's the important thing. <laughs> General Joseph Dunford, Washington's top general, said the attacks were directed at Syria's scientific studies and research centre in the Baze district outside the capital Damascus, a storage facility west of Homs, and uh, another one. Um, <laughs> Donald Trump has said nothing is off the table when it comes to Syria and you definitely want your military strategy to sound like a sales pitch for a second-hand trinket shop at a local market. <laughs>
0: well, also, when, when Donald Trump says nothing, nothing is off the table, I'm sure many of you, like me,
1: think... Donald
0: Trump has his penis on the table. <laughs>
2: that
1: was our... We, I played on a table tennis team in my teens, and nothing off the table is what the coach used to share that. <laughs>
2: When asked if Russian President Vladimir Putin bears any responsibility for the reported chemical weapons attacks, Mr Trump responded, he may, yeah, he may, and if he does, it's going to be very tough, very tough. Uh, All of this is horrifying and scary, uh, given only the slightest of silver linings by Trump's tendency to say everything he says twice, like a character in a children's book. (laughs) He went on to say, everyone's going to pay a price, he will, everybody will, thereby providing both a very concise explanation of capitalism and also no explanation of whether or not he's actually going to come out against Putin.
0: (laughs) Uh, I, I, I don't find uh, Trump's position as the leader of the free world particularly reassuring at the moment, so I don't know if I'm going out on a limb when I say that. Um, to me, Donald Trump being in charge of a knife edge international political standoff is about as reassuring as going into an operating theatre for major abdominal surgery and seeing Jackie Chan scrubbing up. Um, <laughs> i mean, sure he has some capabilities, but they are not the capabilities that you want for this particular job. It's probably going to hurt and not work.
1: <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a. I mean, I get the argument that they used that that was the red line. The, the, well, it was at the red line again. Another one of the red lines was the recent use of, of chemical weapons. But this week's also 20 years since the Belfast Agreement brought peace to Northern Ireland, which is the legacy of that Labour government in Britain being Iraq and Northern Ireland. And they're two very different legacies. One is like Game of Thrones, and the other is where they actually film Game of Thrones now, just <laughs> outside of Belfast.
0: Um... I don't... I mean, Assad is a hard man to warm to, as a neutral. Um, And he he has... I mean, a strange collection of hobbies. uh, Because using chemical weapons on his own people is... I mean, that's that's a niche hobby at best. But his other hobbies are quite mainstream. Uh, He likes photography and listening to the music of the Electric Light Orchestra. No. (laughs) As well as war crimes. That is the weirdest triathlon... In human history, while he's nailed the transitioning to listening, from listening to 1970s prog rock into taking snaps of pretty flowers with spider's webs glistening in the morning sunshine, but can he now nail the crucial slaughtering his own people phase? This is very much Bashar's uh, speciality, the war crimes element. Many struggle with it logistically and especially psychologically, but he takes it like a duck to a Chinese pancake. (laughs) Um, it's uh, frankly, I mean, the whole f- the whole political situation over Syria, years and years of it. It's essentially an absolute, sh- massive political shit lasagna, layer upon layer built up over years of political uh, bloopers. I think we need to uh, take a b- bit of a closer look at, uh, at Bashar al-Assad. Um, I'm not sure. Is, is it... oh, to... oh, oh, this is this is uh, uh, sorry. There's a charity element to this part of the show. I want you all to support this this organisation. I'm a proud patron of. Uh, make Armageddon worthwhile again. <laughs> um, Because, frankly, you know, I'm not intrinsically against the end of the world. I think economically it actually makes quite sound shareholder sense because we are a loss-making planet. But I want it to be worthwhile, you know. Back in the, the Bay of Pigs, you could, you could get behind the end of the world during the height of the Cold War, a proper fundamental disagreement over how human beings should... should go. No one would have minded us being blown to shit then. But now this is basically just infantile playground dick swinging. So raise the fucking bar. I mean,
2: for those people at home, uh, it, it's a graphic of what is, looks like it's meant to be a mushroom cloud, but in fact looks like a piece of broccoli doing a hula hoop. <laughs>
1: Or well, well, my 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 kids will my kids will eat neither of those things. <laughs> or a fart coming out of a very ill butthole. It's one of those.
2: <laughs> Which
1: is possibly appropriate for this situation.
0: Some facts about Bashar al-Assad: eight-time UN Baddie of the Year nominee, uh, ranked inside. The, uh, I mean, he gets a lot of bad press, but he is ranked inside the world's top four billion nicest men in the world. So that's um, Something for him to cling to. Unlikely ever to host the Oscars. I think he's really burnt those bridges uh, with, the, with the Academy over the years. Um, Australian government advice uh, for you people regarding Bashar al-Assad. Do not invite for dinner. That is the uh, official Australian government uh, advice. And also, he is not a cricket fan. Bashar al-Assad, not a cricket fan. Yeah, exactly. So let's find out. I mean, this is the root of all the problems.
1: David Is he definitely not a cricket fan He's... I mean It was quite dispiriting When uh, Ireland uh, Are always vying For the uh, Eighth place I believe In world cricket Which gets you into World Cups and things Well it's it's tenth these days Ireland, yeah. Scotland And Afghanistan yeah. And Afghanistan Seem to beat us Quite a lot yeah. for...
0: Well there's, there's so much money Washing around in Afghanistan These days The facilities there and I don't understand sense,
2: How he can't be a cricket fan He's such a wicked man oh. Come on Come on oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll give you a ding for that Hang on <laughs> Right um, But Well let's, let's see Here we are I've got a list here Of uh, There we go Loser uh, People who are And aren't cricket fans Like cricket And not like cricket So we'll start with someone In the do not like cricket column There we have B.H. Al-Assad Bashar Al-Assad Does not like cricket Whereas Stephen Fry Does like cricket And everyone loves Stephen Fry Let's uh, move on uh, Here we have uh, Vladimir Putin Does not like cricket. Uh, Maximus Decimus Meridius. (laughs) The aforementioned uh, Russell Crowe. Massive cricket fan. And also saved the Roman Empire from the evil Emperor Commodus in that famous documentary. Um, (laughs) Adolf Hitler did not like cricket. He had the chance to take cricket when the great England cricketer C.B. Fry went to Germany in the 1930s to try to convert Germany to Test Match Cricket. He refused it because he preferred genocide. Um, Compared with... uh, the Commonwealth of Australia uh, does like cricket. So it's very much, we're seeing the, the, who is on the side of good and who is on the side of evil. Not like cricket. Ivan the Terrible so It's not like cricket. Andy Zaltzman does like cricket. Um, uh, and uh, BL Zebub he doesn't like... Uh, not a cricket that, fan. He likes
1: big bash cricket. <laughs> well, he like, yeah, well,
0: exactly. I mean, that's, <laughs> that just proves my point, frankly. I mean, what's... What's the point of a game that takes less than half a week? Um, and uh, Jesus Christ, uh, J H Christ, uh, he uh, would have been a cricket fan um, had he been a cricket fan. What's, so, I mean,
1: the, that... what's the H? What's the H short for there in uh, Yahweh's name? Um, J H Christ. Herbert, I think. Herbert, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you would think that. Someone might have read the hugely popular Chilcot Report, which came out <laughs> after the uh, uh, last Iraq war, yeah. which I believe we were involved in the only public reading of ever in a shed in Edinburgh that went on for two weeks. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, uh, it's 30 volumes. Yeah. And its number one conclusion was, don't just fire bombs at a place, send in weapons inspectors, and just make sure this will help. And yeah. someone f- forgot to read that. Amazingly, there was someone who hadn't. It's a real page turner if anyone's going to the yeah. beach. Well, that, that is the problem of not getting it boiling it down to less than 30 volumes
0: because presumably your conclusion is at the end and no one is going to wade through the whole f-ing lot, are they?
1: No, yes, I understand. I, I well, I've, got, right. I've
0: actually got the, the, uh, the um, shortened version. They did produce a shortened version of a public <laughs> consumption. Um, I have here for the, uh, the Chilcot Report. i share it with you now. Here it is the full conclusions of the Chilcot Report uh, into a. Uh, the uh, uh, Causes uh, and uh, Nature of the Iraq War. Here it is. Whoops. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have the uh, pop-up version of that book here. Let me just open up the single page. Fuck! <laughs>
0: Let's move on to Trump and Comey. That's what I was trying to get to. There we are, that little, little kiss they're having there. Um, <laughs> So uh, who, wants to, who wants to be?
1: Uh, did he or didn't he get urinated on by a prostitutes? Correspondent. Well, Comey's book has uh, come out this week, where he certainly does not say that Trump is definitely sure that a video does not exist. <laughs> uh, Comey's book is called uh, Comey: My Story, and then it has four <laughs> subtitles. It, it, it's all Comey's out in the wash. <laughs> This is such a Zoltzman bad <laughs> joke. The bigger they comey, the harder they fall. That's quite good, because he has six foot eight. Comey back down to earth, that's what happens after that. And comey up smelling of roses is how he comeys out of the whole thing.
2: In the first excerpts released from his new book, A Higher Loyalty, former FBI director James Comey has a go at President Donald uh, Trump in what early reviews are calling not a big shock. Uh, I figured he'd be pretty angry and pretty much what we expected. In the book, which will be released next week, Comey describes Trump's presidency as a forest fire, likens the president to a mob boss, and says Trump pressured him more than once to investigate the notorious Russian p tape. <laughs> Uh, He calls Trump untethered to truth, which, as a connoisseur of bullshit, goes up towards the top of the list of great euphemisms for bullshit. (laughs) Alongside alternative facts, fake news, it feels true, I read it on the internet, and the bugle. (laughs) Um,
0: It's a rather lovely phrase, that, untethered to truth. (laughs) Um, uh, Also in the book, he says he is unencumbered by the perceived necessity of factualism. Um, (laughs) He's a man able and, more importantly, willing to overlook the restraining uh, manacles of veracity. <laughs> he fears not to belch into the lunchbox of rigorously researched accuracy and leaves himself free to enjoy the full smorgasbord offered by the head chef at La Bistro de Luzion. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I guess it's a... D- <laughs> I mean, that kind of did he... I mean, I, I've got no problem with, with, with... If that incident in the Russian hotel room did happen, I mean, is that surely... Uh, as I said this about David Cameron with the pig's head tape, I mean, surely from America's point of view, it is far better to have a president who has already been urinated on by prostitutes in a Russian hotel room than a president who is constantly wondering what it would be like.
1: <laughs> 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 <Sabrina>. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: you know, I mean, he has enough trouble f-ing concentrating as it is. You know, get out of the way. <laughs> China is essentially about to invade Australia, I think. Um, They appear to have bought Vanuatu. New Zealand is next, um, which they're going to get for, I believe, about $4.3 million. Um, (laughs) Slightly above the market rate. Um, Alice, are you worried about um, China taking over the entire...
2: Well, there's arguments that they're about to put a base in Vanuatu because they own almost half of Vanuatu's $440 million debt and they're planning to use that as leverage to get them to agree to host a military base. And it seems like the kind of sensible economic-based sinisterness we've come to expect from this global superpower. Look, my cousin got married in Vanuatu, so I can tell you for sure that it is a hospitable and lovely place perfectly situated for the launching of hostilities. (laughs) Uh, China and Vanuatu have both denied the Fairfax report, which means we should either assume it's not true and be worried about the quality of our national journalism and its tendency to beat up stories in a fear-mongering compulsion to keep people anxiety-buying the products of an increasingly moribund news journalism industry, or else we should assume it is true. LAUGHTER Uh, It's you know, of course the two parties with a vested interest in denying their plans to set up a military base would deny it. It's like when your hot boss says he's not hitting on your wife. Like, sure, he would say that even if he was hitting on your wife, but he was saying that also if he wasn't hitting on your wife. So, basically, we're either f***ed or not f***ed, but I didn't think we had trust issues, Sandra.
0: (laughs) (laughs) In Vanuatu, um, I think we talked about this on the Bugle some time ago, Um, Prince Philip is a god in Vanuatu. <laughs> is and he? So. He's still alive. <laughs> oh, he's immortal. The people of Vanuatu have made their decision. He is, he is fully, uh, fully immortal. I mean, it does make you think maybe China took one look at this place and th- thought, maybe we can outsmart them.
1: <laughs> They've made Prince Philip a god. <laughs> he's infallible on Vanuatu. Yep, He cannot go on fire. <laughs> I mean, no one seems to be... If, if the invasion of Australia, as announced on this podcast, is going ahead, <laughs> no one seems to be that worried about it on the streets of Melbourne. <laughs> I took the temperature just before we came in here. Yeah. And no one's... You know, the, the people aren't rushing or trying to buy bread. You know the things right. you normally do before an invasion. Yeah. They were just drinking quite expensive tiny cups of not very hot coffee. <laughs> <laughs> like they always do. Right. I am struck always by... I think it's, it's the problem that there hasn't been a recession in Australia for so long, certainly in Melbourne, and Victoria anyway. And I, I'm obsessed with Australian shops you walk past and you don't know what they're trying to sell. It's just in the win- big glass window with just a basket of limes in it. And- A single old penguin book and an oppressively beautiful woman just standing in air-conditioned freezingness inside, just shaking her head, looking at me going, it's not for you. Whatever it is, (laughs) this is not for you.
0: (laughs) Um, Also in China, um, bad news for bicycles. Allison. Oh, Dan yes, bad been, uh... news
2: for bicycles. In, in, environmentally Oops. friendly news now. Chinese bike rental services have been booming so hard they've made an own goal for the planet.
0: So, I, <laughs> With... I, so, I, I had an illustration for this, but I realized we we've skipped a few slides. <laughs> and I don't have the technical capability. Tom, can you yes. put it on the, uh, the picture of the bicycles? The
1: picture of the bicycles. Oh, no, no, don't, no, no, don't go through it all. No, can you a just glimpse behind off? the magician's curtain. <laughs> There's nothing there. (laughs) It's response to both of those statements. (laughs)
0: Right, never mind. I mean, it's not intrinsic to the material, but there we go.
2: Okay. uh, dozens of competitive bike-share companies have quickly flooded city streets with millions of brightly coloured rental bicycles that are now being sent to giant bicycle graveyards, thus defeating both the environmental and economic point of bike-sharing services. The explosion of excess bikes has also had a disastrous impact on the ecosystem, with bicycle thieves now completely cut out of the cycle cycle of life. (laughs) In In knock-on effects, sales of bolt cutters and hoodies have plummeted and the worried mums of hoodlum teens are stuck with overflowing warehouses of now completely worthless phrases like, I can't even look at you right now. (laughs) On the bright side, I'm sure stadium-sized bike graveyards will come in useful for something later when the apocalypse arrives or in the best possible scenario, everything in China will soon be made out of bicycles like a lazy steampunk nightmare. (laughs) Oh look, another fountain that's also a gyroscope.
1: (laughs) I mean, Melbourne does have its own version of that. There's been a disastrous bike share scheme here called O Bikes. And you'll notice them because it's they're pronounced, mostly.
2: Oh, bikes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I thought it was like an Irish name, an Irish person <laughs> that set it up. <laughs> And these uh, these bikes are, uh, n- unlike the ones we have in Orange in the UK, they're untethered to a docking station. So untethered again, that mm-hmm. word's yeah. come up. And you can just put them anywhere around the city, mostly in trees. And <laughs> one week, uh, 42 were hauled out of the River Yarra, which is an amazing statistic because as they're uh, wherever they are, their satellite homing devices are still working. So you can see where they are. And- and they're underwater. <laughs> Let's
0: move on now to Ireland abortion referendum news. Oh,
1: brilliant!
0: <laughs> this is. Uh, hang on, can we get the? Uh, how Here we, we go. No, no, well, let me oh. <laughs> talk. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: that's the
0: one... Yeah, yeah. Talk amongst yourself. <laughs> You need to
2: click it. I think the moral of the story is your PowerPoint skills are the real abortion
1: here. <laughs> You'd be arrested for making that joke in Ireland. <laughs> so, to the this list, this is of- just bullying, Andy. To the li- to the listeners at home, I believe Andy's uh, laptop has now switched to what do you call that effect when you leave a laptop for a while and beautiful pictures of like icebergs and polar bears? Just you started. call it
0: a miracle. <laughs>
2: there
0: we go. Here's, uh, oh, this is this is the illustration for the Ireland story, David. That's what I was trying to, I was trying to get to. Um, happy uh, there we go. Happy eighth re- repeal the eighth day. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, that's that's 4am job, that is. (laughs) Come on, cut me some slack. Is Ireland about to be brought kicking and screaming into the 20th century?
2: Only if it has the resources to properly support and love a kicking, screaming new world. Otherwise, (laughs) I totally support its decision to wait until it's ready to bring a new reform.
1: The, 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 Ireland's a tricky country. <laughs> in, ni- in, in 2015, we made a really big deal of being the first country in the world to have a referendum break. It's not a plebiscite. To decide if everyone should be allowed to get married. And we patted ourselves on the back and we went, brilliant. We're so modern now. But uh, you still can't get an abortion. For any reason, in incredibly limited circumstances, not for a rape or a fatal fetal abnormality. So this is a one of those referendums that, like most referendums, I suppose, that are people in their late 60s versus everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> but they all vote, and 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 then the tricky. So I will I would say, being um, a liberal urban elite that yeah we're going we're going to walk this but in 1996 was when the divorce referendum was which is preposterous but this is a country that 5 years before had made condoms legal so it's it's happening slowly in 96 there was no divorce in Ireland so i mean my entire youth was going on play dates with other kids and be like why is your dad live in a shed in the garden <laughs> <laughs> Your parents obviously hate each other so much because they couldn't break up. And in 96, I was in university and we were campaigning in favour of divorce and we stopped campaigning because we never met anyone in our... Uh, city bubble that wasn't going to vote for a divorce. And in the end it got in by 51% to 49 and wouldn't have got in only a minibus somewhere in the Midlands got its wheels stuck in a ditch. <laughs> <laughs> so while I would be very confident that uh, fundraising has been very good in Ireland so far f- in favour of repealing this Eighth Amendment, which guarantees equal right to life of a mother and an unborn child or fetus. So uh, I, whether it's going to get through now is going to be... Uh, uh, especially because they they're, uh, have a lot of money. They uh, don't repeal the aid side of a lot of money, uh, probably coming from America. And, uh, yeah, Ireland has a, 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 a patchy enough uh, record with women's rights that has made some excellent films, though, such as The Magdalene Sisters and Philomena. So <laughs> at least we have that as our awful legacy.
0: <laughs> the uh, Bishop of Derry... Um raised the uh, question of, you know, if abortion rights are legalised, where, where will it end? Will it end with the lawful killing of the elderly and infirm? That's what happens in England, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's... It's, it's happened... I mean, it's, it, there's barely any elderly people in England now because people just go around slaughtering them willy-nilly. Just like,
2: I thought they all went to Spain.
1: Oh, right. but It might be that. <laughs> I do under look, I, this is a situation where I'm going home and I'll be part of this thing, and it's a question of n- not dismissing, especially older people who are uncomfortable who've grown up Catholic and are uncomfortable with the idea. you have to be able to argue, to put forward a case as to why this uh, needs to be changed in our constitution. And I can relate to this because recently I've had to come to terms with my friend as a paleontologist, and she told me that apparently the T-rex had feathers. And I cannot accept that. It is a tradition that I did not grow up with. There is no way they were massive chickens. No way! I'm not having it!
0: <laughs> um, but anyway, I've, I've done a, a computer simulation on whether ab- abortion uh, rights will lead to the lawfully, uh, lawful killing of the elderly and infirm. And, uh, well, it won't... It's actually much more likely to just gradually move up through the age brackets and start with the illegal killing of babies, then children, um, who are expensive and annoying. Um, (laughs) Present company accepted. Uh, am also killing the elderly. I mean, what's the point of that? It's a waste of it. They're basically dying off naturally anyway. Uh, Well, let's do the punk uh, punk turtle. Um, uh, The... uh, no, no, I've got a picture of him uh, See, there we go there it is that is, uh, that is...
2: This, this Australian punk turtle is going endangered despite breathing through its genitals in a way that despite Gwyneth Paltrow's overpriced vagina steaming suggestions to the contrary <laughs> we poor humans are not capable of doing uh, the endangerment of this punk turtle has been going viral mainly because it has cool hair which makes it much more interesting than the hundreds of thousands of other species we drive to extinction each year <laughs> Uh, here is a list of other species that are going extinct, which I will describe for the listening audience. Uh, this, uh, Tom? Do you want me to... Yes.
0: Oh, hang on, there's another bit of tech coming up here. Tom, this is, this is where you earn the big bucks, mate.
2: I can describe it for can the viewing audience. Can I just audience, point well. out
0: my boss is actually in tonight? Uh, <laughs> it's none of my fault. Really? It's all Andy's well, he, fault. He must have been very impressive of you sitting down at a desk doing nothing for the last 45 minutes. <laughs> well, now, Give him a f***ing pay rise. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not going to mess with the PowerPoint. So I might have to go. Uh, all right, okay, we'll try it. Give Don't it blame me, God. I what? already. I mean, that is that is algae on its head, isn't it? That is not hair. That is an, a growth of algae, and that to me is the.
2: I think it's a weave.
0: Right. <laughs> I mean, as you know, I'm at the cutting edge of uh, hair fashion. <laughs> I'll look at that. Right, this is very... Hang tight, it's all, all right. right. Yeah. Hey, here oh, we go.
2: Here we go. Uh, this, is, uh, this yellow-eyed adult marmoset fetus known as an eye-eye has ears like mummified testicles and creepily prehensile fingers for climbing trees and picking pockets. Uh, this... <laughs> that is
0: what Bernie Sanders will look like in 900 years' time. Well. LAUGHTER
2: uh, this finless porpoise whose charming smile is the only thing keeping its glistening hide and creepy finlessness from being entirely reminiscent of the Chess Buster from the Alien movies. <laughs> and this, known as the penis snake.
1: Oh my.
2: And what can be said about the penis snake that hasn't already been said about a penis? It- <laughs> Looks like a penis. The greatest thinkers of history have done their best to encompass the complex beauty of this natural specimen. I think it was Aristotle who said, holy shit, that looks like a penis. Are you sure it isn't just a picture of a purple penis?
1: To the listeners at home, this picture looks like uh, Darth Vader in a sleeping bag. (laughs)
2: My
0: genuine screensaver. (laughs) Just one moment while I get the PowerPoint back.
2: (laughs) Tom, can you cut that laugh in after one of my lines?
1: (laughs) I'm a man who knows a thing or two about uh, extreme animal facts. (laughs) Because uh, a few years ago, myself and Claudia O'Doherty of the Sydney Parish Wrote uh, two books of made up facts about animals that have some of the most confused Amazon reviews you will ever see. Uh, the, uh, uh, there's a uh, 100 Facts about Sharks that includes 90% of shark attacks take place in water. <laughs> of the 10% that take place outside of it, the most common scenarios are on the decks of fishing boats, stuffed sharks falling from their mountings, and crushing people in museums. <laughs> And people falling out of bed during shark-based nightmares.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the kind of fact
0: that I appreciate being brought onto this podcast. David. <laughs> <laughs> we have a, a third uh, co-host uh, for the first time uh, on uh, the, uh, uh, the Bugle. <laughs> Uh, so, if those of you who saw my show last year uh, might remember that uh, Trump was my co-star, and he's, uh, I've brought him back this year. So, um, uh, this is uh, my three D printout of Donald Trump's brain, um, which um, <laughs> you can see now. Uh, so, I thought we'd uh, maybe get, try and get his view because I turned him into a cricket fan in my show last year. So, I thought I'd maybe try and just get uh, get his view on uh, on the uh, the match, uh, the, the ball tampering scandal. So, uh, Donald, are you all right? Yes. Can you pump this? Is that? Oh, we haven't this. If this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that, are, you, are you all right? <laughs> this is not going to work. Um, just Well, I'll tell you, if you want to know how that bit was going to go, come back to next week's show.
1: When um... uh, To quote one of my favourite speeches of the week to describe how I think this bugle has gone was the uh, Juventus goalkeeper Buffon. <laughs> At the age of forty, he was sent off in possibly his last ever Champions League match. And afterwards he was asked to comment on how he thought the ref had been. And he said, Clearly you cannot have a heart in your chest but a rubbish bin.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you have to be a murderer to make the decisions you've made. And that's how I feel about you with there this you podcast. <laughs> right, be... I've well,
2: had I'm... a great time. Well, okay. <laughs>
0: Well, I hope you've all had a great time uh, as well. Uh, I'll be back at the same time next uh, next Sunday with Tom Ballard and uh, uh, D. T. Uh, Mittal. Do go and see Alice and David's uh, shows. Do you want to give your shows a plug? I'm, um, I'll be. Well, I'll be. When's this coming out? Uh, well, I mean, it's coming out to these people right now. <laughs> <laughs> Literally right now. I mean,
1: with all you know. I'm
0: on I mean, in the.
1: In the forum uh, in Melbourne till next Sunday, and then I'm doing an Australian tour afterwards to uh, all the places around the edges, brackets, none, or if a seagull can't land on the venue, I will not play it. <laughs> Alice? Uh,
2: I have three things to plug. Number one is my solo show, Ethos, uh, which is a double act with a robot that works better than that. Uh, secondly, next week, on Saturday, I am doing... Three one-hour shows in one three-hour show. <laughs> and it's going to be a fucking disaster, so come along. <laughs> uh, and third, uh, Tom, uh, who works at the ABC, is producing a podcast uh, called Troll Play that I am in, and it's where we take the shit of the internet and turn it into the flowers of joy. So tune into that as and when it comes out.
0: Uh, and if you want to see my solo show, it's uh, here uh, called Right Questions, Wrong Answers at 6 o'clock today, 7 o'clock uh, next week uh,
1: until Sunday. On uh, the basis of this show, you just stand there getting electrocuted for a <laughs>
0: <hour>. <laughs> Well, it's not that far off, to be honest. <laughs> You know, it's good to have a niche, isn't it? Oh, yeah, he's the comedian that electrocutes himself on stage. <laughs> um, uh, thank you very much for coming, uh, Buglers. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's sort of been a bit of a technical issue, but uh, I think we've all learned something. Um, uh, thank you, Donald. Uh, we'll, see you, uh, we'll see you all next week. Good night.
1: Listen now.